0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ed V. We are really excited to talk to you today. That's my favorite introduction, Patrick. We have so much to say. Do we really? We do. (laughs) We always do. This is the truth. Um, So this week, no guests, just Patrick and I. And um, I think you got a pretty meaty topic there, Mr. Patrick. Um, If you check out Cayman Current, there is an interesting story about, and I was trying to find it and pull it up because we know I'm a little slow on the button pushing here. But if you go to org, there is a story about the um, UCCI board raise being funded essentially by a reduction in scholarships. And, you know, there are these stories that, that people just love to talk about. This is one of those stories, I think, because I argue that, and you're going to have to provide the context for this, I argue that... Unless people are not receiving a scholarship at all because of a decision that's made, technically speaking, that's not what's actually occurring. But I don't actually know in this case. So Patrick, who's Mr. Movember here with his beard and mustache, Patrick, let's get started by giving people a little bit of context on what the heck I'm talking about.
1: Sure. We have a story online right now. Uh, actually, there's three separate um, stories, including one letter to the editor. So chronologically speaking earlier this week cabinet has the new pat under the new pat government cabinet releases these kind of uh, summaries of decisions that were made in the last cabinet meeting so we got this statement from cabinet saying uh, cabinet did this cabinet did that and a couple things caught uh, my eye and other people in the media's eyes and that was that they're raising uh the pay for ucci board members and i don't know if a lot of people know this but uh the Cayman Islands government has a lot of boards. Like I think there's over a hundred and the majority of the boards, the members either uh, aren't compensated. They just do it on a purely voluntary basis or they're paid uh, somewhere between a hundred, $150 a month, um, kind of a, they call it a stipend. So here, here's money for your time spending, pouring over these documents, uh, making decisions, possibly making people angry, uh, et cetera. But there are a handful of boards where uh, board members are paid uh, a lot more. And um, so those boards would be the Cayman Islands Monetary Authority, the Auditor's Oversight Authority. Cayman Airways is a little different and is interesting because the board members aren't paid, but they do receive either free or reduced rate for, they get plane tickets basically. And and this has added up according to a report the Auditor General did that that the Cayman Airways board actually gets a substantial number of airline tickets. So, up until just now, the UCCI board was actually um, among one of the lowest compensated boards. And they met um, on average around eight times a year and board members were paid total about thousand dollars per year for their time. Well, as of September 1st now, which coincidentally uh, the UCCI board has a new chairperson, people will know him and Gilbert McLean, public figure. And uh, so, as of September 1st, uh, the chairman of UCCI's board will now be paid $4,000 per month, which is $48,000 per year. So instead of the $1,000 per year, that's up to $48,000. Uh, the deputy chairperson um, will make $2,000 per month or $24,000 a year, and the board members themselves will get paid $1,000 per month or $12,000 per year. And and I guess before we talk about the figures, there is a big Couple of big asterisks, and and one of those asterisks is the UCCI administration. So let's say Stacy McAfee and JD Mosley Matchett, who were on the program a few weeks ago. So like the UCCI staff, they don't make decisions on the board stipend. I mean, how could they? The board is an oversight authority. So this this funding decision is made by cabinet, uh, I believe, in consultation with the Ministry of Education. So it's so it's a cabinet level decision that's made. And the other footnote is. There are several members on the board who, say, Dr. McAfee is on the board, and um, some UCC, you know, ex officio, so public servants who are representatives of uh, the ministries, they are not eligible to receive the stipend at all. So if you are a public or civil servant, you don't get the stipend. So it's it's purely the private sector members who who would get a stipend. Uh, And I guess the last footnote is um, kind of traditionally at UCCI. And I think this is the case for a lot of boards. Board members may have received a stipend, but then they turn around and would donate it right back to the entity that they're serving. So in the past, um, the UCCI board members who are getting this, you know, 100 bucks at a time, they would turn and donate this into a scholarship fund for UCCI. So that that was kind of the the, the first story. The current RAN is just strictly reporting that the UCCI board was getting a big pay raise from a thousand a month to, in the case of the board chairman, four thousand a month. That puts uh, UCCI board now on par with those entities I mentioned earlier, such as um, the SEMA board and also OVREG. So that was story number one. And then we followed up with story number two, and uh, story story a happy number two. Day. <laughs> so I guess I guess it's important to know that the the basis for this reporting. Uh, where it was a a document issued by cabinet about the pay raise. And then I got the context for this from uh, Auditor General's report from a few years ago on board compensation. And then I knew where the decision making authority was because we had the the university college law. So we had a piece of legislation, an Auditor General's report and a statement from report from cabinet. So then the second story, we call it a follow uh, the follow up story. I reached out to Cabinet and the Ministry of Education, and I asked him some questions about why did you decide to change the the stipend? How did you arrive at this figure? And one pointed question is, where where is the money coming from? So the second question is actually, if you do the math, um, in total, the UCCI board pay will cost about $144,000 a year. So where does this money come from? Well, also in the, the, the publication of the cabinet decisions, uh, they put in that they were reducing scholarship funding. This is for local and overseas scholarships. So they were taking $250,000 from that bucket of money and they were putting $250,000 into kind of the general funding for UCCI. So I asked the, the cabinet, I said, hey, is the board pay coming out of this reduction in scholarship funding? And, you know, they wrote back and they confirmed that, yes, taking the money out of the bucket of scholarship funding is going to pay for the board members' pay raises. And it's also going to pay for the hiring of, a, of an executive secretary for the board. And, um, and then I think they're going to do an HR audit. And then there's some costs associated with recruitment. And that, I believe, is the meat of the story. And then, of course, um, well, not of course. But then um, other media organizations have also been reporting on this uh, with their own angles and perspectives, um, because we're just strictly education, right? And then the Cayman Compass picked it up and, and did their own story. And so there's been, um, you know, some some commentary and some light and some heat, uh, mostly on the internets. And at this point, I will uh, advise that the Cayman Compass does not have institutional editorial opinion. So I don't get into things like, is this good? Is this bad? Do I do I think this is the sound strategy? Do I think this is um, not the way to go? I, I stay out of that. So mm-hmm. I'm just saying this. This is what these guys used to get paid. This is what they're get paid now, and um, this is where the money's coming from. There you go.
0: And and I mean that approach, Patrick. From you know, I just think it's sometimes you. Report the facts and allow people to make what perspectives they may make of it. Sometimes um, something like this is not significant. sometimes it is. It just depends on where you're coming from and how you see it, which is why the editorial letter basically, I thought was interesting. You know, professionally, as, as a reporter, it's interesting to to talk about and look about personally, I may have completely different views about that and and personally, I think, the key thing that's missing for me in terms of information is that's great that you've reallocated funds. Technically, not a problem unless somebody does not get a scholarship that they deserve because we've done something else with the money. And that for me is the, that would be the next story. <laughs> is, is, has that occurred? Are we turning people away? And even beyond that, <laughs> technically, you could ask if we don't have enough applicants for this big pool of funds for scholarships whether local or international, what's the problem there? Because in theory, you want as many students as possible. You want to be begging for more scholarship money because you don't have enough. <laughs> Does right. that make sense? So, I mean, those yes. are, for me, that's sort of the rest of the trail. But
1: Yeah, and I also think it's important um, to point out that uh, this government has, in the last, they've really increased the local and overseas scholarship funding. And we can tease a story that'll come next week uh, which, you know, even creating kind of their headline Cayman Scholar Award, where the top, top boy and top girl, to borrow secondary school terminology, each will be eligible for a $100,000 per year scholarship to what they were calling an Ivy League or gold tier university. So coming up uh, next week, I've found the, the list of what they consider gold level universities. So we'll, we'll take a look because it was it was surprising to me the criteria that went into it and what the list looks like. So I think it's interesting. Yeah, and you mentioned our um, letter to the editor. Always happy to get, um, we call them viewpoints. Happy to get viewpoints from the community. Please email me your um, thoughts and ramblings and arguments and uh love to consider them for publication. Uh, so this is a good one. And it's somebody who knows a lot more about this than, than I do. And this is um, a man named Tom Simpson and he is a former board member of UCCI. And Tom and his wife Beverly, you know, I'd say they put their money where their mouths are. Uh, They have um, created and endowed a fifty thousand dollar per year program that gives scholarships to UCCI for students on a needs based basis. So, so these are students who otherwise wouldn't afford be able to afford to go. He says he basically he he has a lot of interesting points that I think you should read and not listen to me talk about. (laughs) But that he basically argues that the whole thinking behind scholarship funding and and funding of UCCI needs to be uh, reimagined. So so generally, he he says you have this big pool of scholarship money. He points out that even though he says 10 times as many kids go to UCCI as attend institutions overseas, yet the UCCI kids get one-tenth the amount of um, scholarship funding that the overseas students do. And he says the, over, the pool for overseas scholarships is bigger than UCCI's annual budget. So he thinks that they need to shift the funding for overseas scholarships and, and pump it back into the local um, public university. And then the second component that I think is interesting is he says these scholarships, to, you know, shouldn't, it shouldn't just be a merit based thing. Like the top performing kids who may or may not be wealthy get the scholarship because of their grades. He says the focus should be on this um, needs-based. So the kids that otherwise wouldn't be able to go to college sh- should be uh, looked upon favorably for this funding. And you know, I I think it's a valid viewpoint. Tom put a lot of his own time and money into this, um, so I encourage everybody to you know read his thoughtful commentary.
0: And you know, while I have my own thoughts about it, I do agree it's a very interesting perspective to look at. I do question sometimes. How the 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 question of who can afford what um, what that's based on sometimes, and I do recall a few years back there was a I think it was an A level scholarship something like that where because someone uh, I don't know owned a property they were disqualified okay. from in the and again don't know. Can't drill down to the truth on this one. Just I just remember the general story. And I thought about that. And I thought, you know, that's unfortunate because you've essentially ruled someone out from a key component of higher learning because they paid off the mortgage of their house, you know, or whatever it was, something similar. Right. And so, I, I mean, I think you, you would have to be very careful about how you determine need annual income certainly it looks great on paper, but doesn't factor in, um, I don't know, yeah. cost of money. Well, especially
1: but, when you're in a, you happen to live in a, in a country that there's no way to account for anybody's yeah annual yeah. pay. Yeah. Uh, okay, without an income tax, there's really no mechanism in place to check how much income someone's making. And you know, the needs assessment unit <laughs> grapples with this. All the time, right? Like that's the big it's so portion hard of to do assessing the need. I mean,
0: it is challenging. I mean, and you know, we we beat up sometimes on the needs assessment unit, but I'm like, how do you know that a lot of this information? you're being given as correct. How much time do you have to go back checking every single component of an application? So I imagine a similar potential problem for, for scholarships as well. You know, I, I can see the challenges, yet the concept that those who are in need should receive, if possible, funding to pursue an education that's gonna improve the quality of their lives I totally totally get that. I do sometimes take issue, and this is because of my own personal bias with ICCI, right? So I have this history that goes back to when I was three (laughs) and four, that the public university and the private, you know, nonprofit, I think sometimes it would be better if everyone actually really did sit down around the same table, though, and really looked at what's going to be best to serve the country collectively and allocate funding based on that, not just what institution it is. It would be similar, I guess, in, in private sector to me thinking, well, you've got 12 companies that all do the same sort of thing. They're in competition with each other. But in this case, what we're looking at is something that's for the greater good of the community. So how can we best serve our young people and the future of the country? Money is better spent in this case, focused on the right end game. But you yeah, know, I, ha- I have well, a view. Well, and then the,
1: the UCCI, ICCI interaction and debate is something that comes up strangely enough, every four years uh, during the political campaign season. And then it seems to not be talked about again.
0: I'm old enough to have seen it happen quite a few four-year yeah. cycles, so, which is an interesting thing in and of itself. But but there is there is always going to be some discussion about I think you know what does Cayman really need to do in order to best prepare its students. And interestingly enough, and he, he you know he's he's lived through some scandals since then. But I heard a speech by Kenover Watson quite a few years ago at an, at an ICCI graduation. And um, Sipste, that's Patrick Sipste, And one of the things he talked about was competition with the the globe. You know that we were going to be competing with people all around the world. So as a Caymanian who may not be able to easily compete around the global community initially, at least at first, you have to prepare your workforce for that. It doesn't mean you don't have talent or ability. It just means it's more than just being able to. It's having all the things moving in the right direction to make that the case. So I found that, and that was, gosh, Patrick, I don't want to say how many years ago that was. It was a long time, but it it did speak to- Donkey years. Donkey years. It does speak to the need to focus or look ahead- and um, what is it you like to say? Not just have the 15 or 25-year plan, but also the roadmap to that plan. Because the more resources, not just money, but the more intellectual resources and experience resources that play into that planning, the better off we're going to be.
1: Yeah, and so sometimes I wonder about, um, it, it's interesting to me, there's a dichotomy in the, the kind of the high-level conversation that goes around in terms of the, the vision of the future for how to prepare Cayman's youth where they say Cayman, you know, on the one hand is Cayman is not, you know, not only increasingly globalized society, like it's kind of the true most globalized society that you can find anywhere on the world. Like there's, you know, 135, you know, know, more nationalities than there are nations in the world in in Cayman. And we're we're competing in technologies uh, enabled, sectors enabled by technology with people who could be sitting anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand, a lot of the plans seem to be well how can we serve this young community you know this this young demographic without them ever having to leave the island like a lot of it is we're going to keep improving our programs physically on island so they never have to leave and and you say well can you really truly prepare somebody to compete globally without them ever leaving their own
0: home and i and i, I question that i don't know the answer to, for sure to me there there is something and this is so hard for me because I love Cayman, right? And I hated, in some respects, having to leave for as long as I did to gain the experience I did. But it was incredibly valuable to me as well, both during certain portions of my adult life, but also as a student. So I did some of my education here, some overseas. Um, I probably came back and forth more than most people <laughs> did. And But I, I learned incredible things about society and people and um, new ideas for how things could be done that perhaps I could have read online if that was the thing, but I don't know that would have had the same impact as that interpersonal connection. So I can watch a webinar, and that's great, but there is a a different experience about being at that event and talking to people on the coffee breaks. And you know what I mean? There's just, they're different. And I, and I, I do have an interest in exploring the idea of whether you do need to spend some time traveling or doing, you know, a year or two abroad, whether that's in your education or your career, just in order to widen your scope about what's possible. But I, I don't know. For me, this is theory. Yeah, mean <laughs> I'm basing this on, I don't know. Um, but I, you know, and, and I do know in my parents' case, the concern was a lot of families in Cayman at the time couldn't go Overseas, Mm -hmm. It was too expensive. They may already have started their their families. And so providing a solid education opportunity on island was critical at that point. And I I think it still is important. But I also think that there are are other options as well. And so exploring the what locally what needs to be most of value versus using the best of what the world has to offer. I I feel like that's an important conversation to have.
1: Yeah. And I think there, there are examples, you know, say, say the um, Mormon church, right. And they have the big, uh, I forget what the mission. So at, when you come to a certain age, you go on the mission and you travel and you go see things. And, and before you come take those lessons back to your, your local community. And I believe it, you know, might be the you know, like the Amish or Mennonites or Quakers. I'm not really well versed in this, but you know, they say you know when you come I of age. that one,
0: but
1: yeah, go 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 learn about the world. What the, what the outside world is like, and then you know when you come back, you're voluntarily uh, being a part of this community because you want to, and you know, so it's not like uh, the M Night Shyamalan movie,
0: <laughs> which is your whole frame of reference for this. Yes, I'm kidding. Yes. Yeah. I'm kidding. And, and interestingly enough, we get so caught up in the viability component of the equation, which is important because people have to get paid and, and you know, it has to work. You know, that's is, this is life. But I do, I do wonder sometimes where that little think tank is in, in the Cayman landscape that is looking beyond what we're doing today to really examining what we could or should be doing going forward. You know, the, the yeah. ones who challenge and question, is the way we're doing it now the best possible you know, option for what we're trying to achieve. I don't and know. Who only
1: that is, Ed Beat. keep tuning into Edbeat for the big ideas
0: that we get from M Night Shyamalan. Yeah. And, <laughs> and
1: you know, the movie, the movie Kingpin.
0: <laughs> hey, don't knock the Kingpin.
1: <laughs> yeah. So moving on to something we know what we're talking about. Yeah, you had a you had one of the something you know I look forward to every month uh, on the website and you know running running on uh, screens everywhere. And it looks like you did something a little differently.
0: Yeah, it's kind of of fun for sure. So, you know, when we have the midterm break period, how sometimes, you know, most of our classrooms of the month focus on what what I want to call a, a traditional classroom, not all the time, but a lot. And I found interesting the three girls in a kiln summer camp. And so here's my little YouTube screen. And what was kind of interesting for me about this, well, first of all, it is post COVID, right? So I wondered how you're going, I know much how you're going to have these sorts of classes with the interaction between the kids and, and adults in small spaces. I'm like, I wonder if that's going to work. But I thought they did a really good job. Um, the energy of the teachers at Three Girls in a Kiln really worked really hard with the kids to keep them engaged and involved. They provided in a lot of different kinds of activities. Two of the three, girl, the, of the three girls from Three Girls in a Kiln, they are actually former teachers anyway, who really do believe quite strongly in art and its value to the development of young people. But they also think this is great fun too, right? So they have a fantastic time, sharing what they know. And I talked to a bunch of the kids, not all of them on camera because some were shyer than others as usual. But the kids talked about how it helps them with their uh, self-expression. I mean, if you look at the ages uh, and this particular set was all girls, it isn't always that way. It's it's different mixtures. But if you look at the ages of the girls, they're at kind of a vulnerable stage in their lives where they're working on their self-identity, their confidence. You know, who are we going to be? What are we going to, what kind of people are we going to be going forward? And the art and the crafts projects really help them express themselves. Not to mention, as you can see, there's a lot of fine motor skills going on there. So that I thought that was interesting too. So um, every month we try to find a classroom of some kind. Sometimes there are adult classrooms as well. And just honestly, it's to look at what they're doing well, what they've learned, how they're growing. It really sometimes turns into a teacher of the month <laughs> because the teachers often are the drivers in that classroom environment. But I really enjoyed the hands-on. I don't have as many young children as you do, Patrick, but I've had a wide spread of children, right? So I had a lot, of, I had three boys and then I had a girl. And one of the things, the, the ways that I found it easiest to communicate with my boys was when we were doing something together. So I was a master Lego builder, right? For many, many years because we would work on the Legos and then somehow that would give us an opportunity to, you know, share ideas and feelings and how are things going without the pressure on them. I made this assumption that, you know, it's a sexist assumption, I guess, but that girls just naturally all talk and share all their ideas all the time. Untrue. (laughs) Some girls don't do that. I found that also with my daughter, it was important sometimes for us to have similar hands-on activities that took the pressure off me trying to drill into her mind and find out who she is, make her completely uncomfortable, and to do the sorts of activities as well as a relationship building thing. So, I mean, yeah, I'm a big proponent of traditional classrooms and education, but I also think you need to also explore all the sides of your education. And some of that is about creativity and self-expression. And also, you know, there's hammers and nails involved too. So that's always good. How not to smash your finger while you're doing a project is also a very good skill to have. Oh, and by the way, anybody, anytime, feel free to nominate a classroom. You can send it to april at caymanspaces.com or I have like 15 emails for this, um, or info at caymanlife.ky. And then we take it to the group and decide, you know, who we're gonna focus on that month and reach back out to you. But don't be shy, because it's not just for straight A classrooms or A-plus classrooms or A-star classrooms. It's for students uh, who are growing. And especially when you have a significant achievement that you've seen the group come together and do, we really do enjoy doing those as well. It doesn't just have to be a shiny program with bells and whistles. Oh, look, Patrick fell asleep. That's so funny. He really did His internet froze, but it looks like he fell asleep, which is just as good. Oh, I'm amusing myself to no end right now. <laughs> uh, Patrick, it looked like he fell asleep while I was talking.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, you should see what you look like.
0: Uh, it was good stuff, very good. Anyway, Here, let
1: me let me show you what you look like. <laughs>
0: Uh, good yeah, time. was it a Star classroom? Yeah, so I. Guess- yeah, the think
1: tank of the future. That's what we're about.
0: We're all about technology and internet. So what I did say was, I encouraged people to nominate any kind of classroom because the goal is to showcase uh, progress, improvement, and just clever things that you know make people smile and happy.
1: Great. Keep up the good work.
0: I'm so proud of myself.
1: <laughs> and um, I guess I only got one one more. Minor item, and it's EdBeat related, and uh, that's that we're kind of experimenting with uh, podcasts. Yeah. So, just in general, at the current, we're seeing if this is maybe a viable way to to reach people. And um, rather than trying to create a podcast from scratch right away, uh, (laughs) we're taking the kind of taking the EdBeat episodes and turning them into podcasts yep. and uh, have started pushing them on, um, I think it's on Google Play now and a
0: uh, Spotify, um, Spotify,
1: yeah so we've, we've added to Spotify, it's been approved on Google Playlist and we'll just put it on Apple <laughs> and yeah. etc. and um, start making those links published and sharing them so yeah. that'll be another option for everybody uh, when the tourists and morning traffic returns, why not listen to Envy?
0: it be on your way to work, man. <laughs> but, but, but you can also watch us and listen to us and maybe not read us though, because that would be terrifying for people. Yeah. So, all right. Well, th- thanks so much, Patrick, as always. We'll talk again soon. And um, don't forget to check out caymancurrent.org. I'm going to go right now, uh, feed the dog and post this on uh, the Kman Life TV channel and online sometime soon.
1: Great. Thanks, April.
0: All right. Have a good one. Peace out.